Welcome to the first reflection episode of One Step. So basically, this is going to be a space for us to go deeper. And every other week, I will have one of these reflection episodes. I'm going to be looking back on last week's episode, sharing my reaction and yours too. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, in case you forgot. And last week on One Step, I talked to Angela Garbs, who's the author of one of my favorite books, Like a Mother, A Feminist Journey Through the Science and Culture of Pregnancy. We talked about what life, sex, career, and self-identity are like after pregnancy for Angela. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that interview, make sure you go and check it out. On this week's episode, I'm going to be reflecting on my own thoughts on pregnancy, motherhood, and how that's evolving as we speak. Okay, so here are some of the things that came up for me, especially because Angela is a mother and I am not a mother and I have no idea what the experience is like. And also, I think now at 30, my stance on motherhood has really shifted. And for the majority of my life, I always thought my purpose in life is to be a mother and this is what I want to do. This is, you know, one of the main things that I'm here for. And that was really embedded inside of me for a long time. And, you know, having kids was a non-negotiable for me. And now that I'm 30 years old, I've come out, I've done a lot of digging inside of me and self-exploration, I've realized, you know, I think I would be okay without kids, especially now you know, the more that I am around kids and I see how much work it takes. And now that I've seen a fuller reality of what parenting looks like, I've realized maybe this isn't something that I want. I might be a really resentful parent. I don't know. And it's become this space for me where I'm not really sure what's going to end up happening. I'm kind of open to both scenarios, either having kids or not having kids, but it's no longer a non-negotiable for me. It's something that is actually very negotiable for me. Um, And I'm willing to talk about, you know, the scenario of not having kids and what that would look like. And I think I would be completely happy not having kids and, you know, working and spending time with my friends and my partner and living my life in that way. I don't think that I would feel like, oh, I'm missing out on this experience that I've always felt like I needed to have. And at the same time, I think, well, maybe there is a world in which I could be happy as a parent if I really thought about it and decided after a lot of conversations with my partner because I don't think it's something that I would want to do alone at this point, especially after being around a lot more people who have kids. I am just like, oh my gosh, I have a thousand times more respect for people who have done this on their own and have had to create their own families around raising children because maybe it wasn't, you know, a nuclear family situation or a family of origin that they were working with. And I just have so much respect for how much work it takes to just raise one child. It really does take a village. Um, I probably sound like I'm 
I'm all over the place. And that's basically where I am. I'm all over the place with this. But I am proud of myself for at least acknowledging that being a mother is not something that I feel like is essential to my identity and is something that I absolutely need. And I think that was a part of me for so long because as a culture, we as women are often told that you're not a real adult until you get married and you have kids. And maybe you're not told this explicitly, but we see this around us all the time. You know, people might be in serious relationships for decades, but their relationship is not seen as important or as valid as a couple that has been married for one year. The same thing goes for having kids. The idea and the vision of the nuclear family is so strong and we often equate it with success and being a real adult and being like this finish line in life of I have achieved what I'm here to do. And maybe for some people that does feel very real for them, but for me, I know that is not true. And I feel like if I decided to get married or if I decided to have children, those would not be finish line milestones for me. They would be the beginning of a completely different chapter in my life. One thing that I find interesting now being 30 is that Everyone keeps asking me, like, am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? Am I going to move in with my girlfriend? And it's just really interesting because I don't think we realize that even if we're not thinking about it consciously, we have these subconscious expectations of what people should be doing with their lives at certain ages and after they've been with someone for a certain amount of time. And I think on one hand, that is hard for me to navigate, especially as I see a lot of my friends, you know, getting engaged and moving on into different chapters in their lives. And when I think about it, I am just like, you know, that's not something that I feel like I want right now. And it makes me sad because it makes me afraid that my friends are going to drift away from me. But at the same time, it also feels really reassuring to me because I feel like I have the freedom to decide how I want my future to play out. I can decide if I want to have kids or not. I can decide if I want to get married because I'm not putting this pressure on myself to have to achieve these things. And I'm lucky that, you know, my mom doesn't put that pressure on me. And I've really stepped out of the pressure cooker that I feel like I was in for so long. And I think a big part of it too comes from coming out and stepping out of a heteronormative bubble because so much of this is very heteronormative. And so now that I'm in a same-sex relationship, there's so many things that we are already challenging by just being in a relationship together. And it's exciting to be able to look into the future and really craft the future that 
Erica and I want and not what other people expect. And, you know, when I was just talking about how I can decide if I want to have kids or not, that is all part of me having body autonomy, being able to make those decisions. And that's why it is absolutely fundamental that people are able to make these decisions. During our interview, Angela made a really powerful statement about abortion. And she actually posted about this on Instagram too. I saw that she had a photo of her family and to actually hear someone who I really admire say, the abortion that I had made my family possible, made my life that I have now possible was so deeply moving. And I thought that was so incredibly powerful because there's this narrative around people who have abortions being people who hate children, who um, are killing babies and are demons and monsters. I think stories like this really help to shift that false narrative because it shows how life-changing it is when people have body autonomy and they can make the right decision for their bodies and their lives. Another thing that Angela said that I loved was about her not wanting to spend every single moment with her kids. I think if I spent 24 hours a day with my children every day, you know, 24 seven, I feel like I would die. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that I don't love them so much, but I wouldn't feel like my full self. And like, this kind of gets to like, I said that and it's true, but I also feel like, oh my God, like, how is that going to land for people? Right. Why will I be judged for saying that? As someone who doesn't have kids, but could imagine herself with kids. Like I can paint a picture of what I would be like potentially with kids. I was like, yep, that would be me. I would not want to spend every single moment with my kids because I don't think that there is a human being on this planet that I would want to spend every single waking moment with. So it would make sense that I wouldn't want to do that Um with my kids either. But I think it was incredible that Angela said this because the story that I think a lot of mothers feel the pressure to tell is how much they want to spend every single moment with their kids. And people expect them to want to do that. And they take that pressure onto themselves. And again, you know, People have different experiences, and there definitely are people who want to spend the majority of their time with their kids, and that is completely okay. But that is the dominant narrative that people have been forced to believe and take on. For example, when celebrities have children, it's always the woman who gets berated for going out after the baby is born. And this happens all the time in real life too. When people see a new mother out at like a party or with friends or even at work or whatever, they ask, well, who's taking care of the child? I feel like if that was me, I would be like, yeah, I just left them at home by themselves. 
they're taking care of themselves. You know, they're a couple weeks old. They got it. Because it's just such a ridiculous question to me. It's like, why do you not trust this adult to just make the best decision for their child and for themselves? Why do we feel the need to ask the question of who's taking care of the child? Um, I think it's really intrusive and just none of our business. And it goes back to this cultural belief that mothers specifically are incapable of making rational decisions for their children and for themselves. And every decision that they make is picked apart and dissected and criticized. That's another thing that I worry about having kids. I feel like I would just have no patience for any of this stuff. And I would just say some very... (laughs) probably upsetting things to other people but hey maybe maybe that's what we need right now we need people to have their feathers ruffled a little bit but if I had a kid and somebody asked me who is taking care of my kid like oh my gosh well who's taking care of them I would definitely need to like hold down the fire inside of me The last thing that this episode really brought up for me, and I think the book Like a Mother in general, is my own relationship with my mother, which was very complicated and very tumultuous for a very long time. And look, it's still complicated because I've known her my entire life. I literally came from her body. So obviously things are going to be complicated. But especially when I was younger and all the way through, I would say, Going up until my mid-20s, my relationship with my mom was extremely difficult because, you know, I, one, didn't have perspective when I was younger because when you're younger, everything is just about you and it's hard to see your parents as actual human beings. Two, there were a lot of things that were going on in life when I was younger. The experience of my mom being sick and my dad dying when I was a teenager, like all of these things were happening and my mom and I were having our own individual experiences and then we were having this like weird complicated experience together where I definitely had a lot of anger and resentment that I didn't know was okay to express and talk about and Looking back on my younger self, I just think, wow, I was really just awful to my mom in some moments. Like, I just was so mean, but I also didn't know any other way to respond. I think one thing I was really angry about and resented my mom for was when my dad died. And, you know, I had been expecting my mom to died the entire time that she was sick and then when my dad suddenly died and I was never particularly close to my mom especially at that point in my life it felt like the universe was betraying me and I was so angry and I felt like you know I wasn't being taken care of in the way that I wanted my mom to be taking care of me and all of these things from when I was even younger were brought up and how I never felt like I was good enough for her and that no matter what I did like she just never thought that it was perfect enough 
there are a lot of things that were going on here, and I was just wrapped up in this ball of anger, resentment, shame, um, loneliness, grief, and it has taken years to pick it apart and peel back those layers, and it took me realizing in my approaching mid-20s, I would say probably around like 23, I started realizing I don't want to keep having this relationship with my mom. I don't want to keep feeling this way. I don't want to feel like I need to avoid my mom. I don't want to go the rest of my life and feel like I never really knew my mother because she is the only parent I have left. She is the only person in my family of origin that I am in contact with and I don't want to let this go. And at this point, I am choosing to stay in this place because I think when I was in the midst of all of the darkness and all of the pain and the confusion, yeah, I needed those feelings. I needed the coping mechanisms that I reached for in order to survive that moment of my life. But once I started to get further and further away from that time in my life, I realized I am holding on to this and I don't have to. I don't have to keep going to these coping mechanisms. I don't have to keep stewing in these feelings. And so I really made that decision. I want to know my mom. And I started reaching towards her. And what was really incredible is that she started reaching back towards me. And I started apologizing to her when I would get upset with her and I would just be mean. And then I noticed she started apologizing to me for things that happened when I was younger that I never thought I would ever hear her bring up. And so it's been a really incredible journey between the two of us. And now, you know, after reading this book and diving into more of the motherhood space, it has brought up conversations between us about what her experience was like as a mother, which has brought us closer because it has given me perspective on what it was like for her when I was really little and she was working and she was the main breadwinner and um, how people treated her and how people treated her when she had me and the decisions that she would make when it came to me, what it felt like the day that she first went back to work after having me. She told me in the last year for the first time, she had never told me this story, that the first day that she went back to work after having me, she went to and from her car three times because she couldn't get into the car to leave me and thinking about that now makes me really emotional because for so long I thought my mom just didn't care about me and you know she would say that she cared about me but she would I felt like she didn't show it in her actions and so when she told me that story about how hard it was for her to just get in the car on her first day 
of work after having me. I basically just wanted to fall on the floor and cry in a pool of tears because it's a combination of just realizing how painful it was for her and how complicated the experience of motherhood was for her, but also this immense joy and happiness because it was this realization of, oh, yeah, duh, my mom has always loved me, no matter how hard and how complicated our relationship has been. Taking a deep breath after that, and now we're going to be moving into your reflections. So last week, I asked you to share your thoughts on our conversation. Here's what you had to say. Hi, Ingrid. Um, My name is Kate. I'm just calling because I really, really love your episode, and I'm so glad to have you back on the podcast. I really love this episode that you just did um, because, you know, I'm getting into my later 20s, and I think about motherhood a lot because I've always wanted a baby growing up. I've been thinking more lately, though, about how much I do want a child, but the idea of pregnancy and childbirth really scares me. I don't know. I, I would want to always have that control over my own body. And with pregnancy and childbirth, you don't. Because I was actually, throughout my teen years and early 20s, I was in um, an abusive relationship. And so now having control over my body is extremely important to me. So knowing that, you know, I wouldn't be able to control its functions or, you know, the way I was feeling, that would that would be really hard for me with pregnancy and childbirth. But I know I do want a baby. So I guess I'm still figuring out exactly, you know, when that will happen and how that will happen for me. You know, if I actually want to have a child biologically. I'm not sure yet, but your episode is really amazing. And it was just really great to hear someone talking about what actually happens with your body because we don't talk about that enough. So thank you for your amazing guest and your amazing insight. And I'm so excited to see where your podcast goes. Bye. Hey, Ingrid. I have to say I really love the podcast this week. I do have to say, though, I was a little disappointed that the term motherhood was only used to describe women who were carrying their babies and delivering them in the traditional way. I was completely devastated when I found out that I would not be able to have children naturally, and I'm hoping that I will be able to adopt or become a step-parent or maybe even have a surrogate later on. So much of our culture with motherhood is all about body positivity and women carrying children in a traditional sense. And I often feel like people get left out of the conversation. There are plenty of ways to become mothers, and I hope that with the conversation about motherhood, we can talk about these non-traditional ways so that those of us who can't have children, like myself, don't feel so isolated. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Ingrid. This is Emily Pum. I live in Rochester, New York, and I finished up the first episode of One Step today, and I just loved it. I thought you did such a good job. I'm so grateful that you've started this podcast. My main piece of feedback from the first episode is that I am feeling like starting a book club based around this podcast could be so amazing because I am so drawn to reading this book now. i have wanted to read this book since you first posted about it on your YouTube channel, but now after listening to the author, I just thought she was so amazing and I would love to read this book along with the community of people that you have that tune into your stuff. I think you have a lot of good people behind you, so um, do it. (laughs) 
and I'll participate. That's it. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Ingrid. My name is Emily. I'm calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I just wanted to say that I'm super excited about your new podcast. I love the first episode. I actually read the Like a Mother book after you had suggested it on your YouTube channel, and it was awesome. I'm only 23, and I'm really far from even considering being a parent, but it honestly changed my outlook on my identity as a woman and as a queer woman and how my my physical body and and that relate to each other i'm really excited to see more of what you will be doing with the podcast so thanks thank you so much to everyone who sent us a voicemail and if you'd like to send your feedback for us in future episodes you can leave me a voicemail at 551-333-9021 or you can send a voice note to onesteppodcast at gmail.com. I will continue to share your opinions, and I can't wait to hear them. Thank you to everyone who is out there listening, and on next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about bodies and how the beauty world plays into that, for better or worse. So stay tuned. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with your friends too. You can find One Step on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at One Step Podcasts to stay up to date. Thank you to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and our studio, The YouTube Space in New York. Take care and talk soon.